everybody. Here we are at the beginning of season two of My Youth on Record. We've already wrapped the season, which is unbelievable to us because this was a brainchild uh, a couple years ago. And we're very fortunate to be starting on season two. Uh, as you know, if you've been here before, we talk about the early inspirations and the creation of music at an early age. We've had a lot of great interviews already, and we feel like we're just getting started. So we are definitely going to take you on a journey, go back in time, find out where these people were inspired, what caused them to believe that they could be professionals, and we're going to have a lot of fun doing it. So. Please hit subscribe, and right now we're going to listen to our interview with Zach Barnett from American Authors. What do you think that the Zach of that age, like getting in that station wagon, what do you think that person would think of the older you now? If I think I saw, I think I saw the vision, and maybe that's. I don't know, maybe that's like an arrogant thing to say, but I knew what I wanted to do from a young age. I knew if I was going to go to college at all, it was going to be for theater or for music. And I chose music and I got into Berkeley and I figured out a way to pay for it. Between my mom and I, we freaking took out loans and begged people for money and was able to, I only did like maybe three, I think maybe four semesters top at Berkeley like four semesters over like four years. So not a whole lot because it's expensive. But I didn't even go to Berkeley. I didn't want to go to Berkeley to learn anything. Truth be told, I just wanted to go to meet like-minded musicians to start a band. It was the only reason I wanted to go to Berkeley. I was dude, I don't care about theory. I, at that time, I was like, I can write songs. Can I get better? Yes, but I just want to go meet musicians to start a band with and to get back into that van and go tour and play shows. It's like, yeah, it's like the art school model for talking heads or yeah, yeah, yeahs. And they just, yeah, they, they go there to meet the, the cool people to start a band with. And yeah, that's what it was. I figured, okay, yeah, you can maybe meet them in, I don't know, wherever in Minnesota, but it's, I feel like it's going to be easier um, at a school. Welcome to My Youth on Record, a podcast where musicians share the music they created as teens and the stories behind their songs. My name is Mona, and I'm super excited to be joining Sean King as your co-host for another season of My Youth on Record. Our guest today is chart-topping Zach Barnett, frontman for American Authors. Zach is a quintessential music lover and performer. Zach talks to us about the values of having parents who are also music lovers and shares some back-in-the-day stories about how he got started with middle and high school bands. And be sure to stick around later in the episode for some advice for young musicians who are starting their own artistic journeys and possibly careers in the music industry. Did you have musical parents? Yeah, I did. My dad taught me how to play guitar. So he was a musician. He was like, for lack of a better phrase, a failed musician. Uh, you know, he was in bands all through like, you know, I guess when he started, he started in like high school, middle school, playing in bands. He did like an Alice Cooper cover band, yada, yada, yada. You know, through the 80s, he was doing like kind of like a band that sounded kind of like the Cars, super Cars-like. And he taught me, he built my first guitar for me, and he taught me how to play guitar. And my mom was a music lover. So... But it was cool because I grew up with my mom in Minneapolis and then my dad and the rest of my family was all in Los Angeles. 
So I would kind of like split my time going back and forth. So like my dad, when I would see him for all my vacations, he would teach me how to play guitar. He would try to whatever, teach me how to play instruments. We'd go down to Sunset and go to all the guitar stores and, you know, just do very musical things together. My mom and I just jammed, just jammed albums. Just like drive. That was our thing. You know, like you go on the weekend drives with your, with your mom or your dad. You know, you just go to like open houses, look at houses, listen to Beatles albums, Crosby, Crosby Stills, and Ash and Young, all that good stuff. When you had, uh, when you had your like musical, uh, your first revelations about what you liked yourself, was, was your mom joining you on those or was it kind of like? Totally. I was close with my parents. You know, my parents were like, they were friends. They were cool and they treated me uh, as a friend, but they really, um, you know, there was a there was a respect there, but I think it was a mutual respect. So we did everything together, you know. She could like, appreciate the grunge scene. She loved the grunge scene. My mom was way more into grunge than my dad. My dad was more into like, because you, know, you know he's a West Coast dude for sure, West Coast kid. But he was super into like the K rock, punk, West Coast punk vibe. And then uh, my mom was super grunge. Like Bush was her favorite band. Bush and Live. And I think Bush and Live are going on tour right now this year. And she's like dying to go on this tour because those were her two favorite bands while I was growing up. So it's like while we would listen back to their music and they kind of would show me that, we would all, do, the three of us would discover new music together. And I think the main thing. Uh, like the like I think just overall, aside from me, the only thing that my parents like had in common after they divorced was system of a down. That was like the only thing, you know, like I'd come home and you know, like if anyone has divorced parents, you know it's like there'll be ups and downs and a lot of downs where they'll be saying nasty stuff or like, you know, you get home and this is when you had an answering machine, you play it back and like one of your parents is just like leaving a nasty message. So there's like a lot of that stuff. But system of a down. That was the mutual ground right there. So, yeah. So a lot of our guests talk about music as like an escape and almost like a rebellion to their parents. It sounds like maybe that wasn't the case for you no. because you were enjoying it with them as well. Yeah. Yeah, we all enjoyed it together and we all shared new artists together. And really from everything from, yeah, like punk and grunge to classic rock. But then also it's like, you know, my dad took me to get like my first Tupac cassette. It was all eyes on me. It's like second grade too. So I was like pretty young. And there were two artists that my mom would not let me listen to. My mom was like really um, like women empowerment. I don't know if I, you know, I guess feminist, whatever. But like, so there were two artists. There were two things that you couldn't say in um, the house. There were like some words. Because they were like super liberal, super open, whatever. So you couldn't say, uh, I don't know, can I cuss just to oh, explain yeah. the story on here okay so you couldn't say my mom would say you can't say the b word and the f word and the b word is bitch and the f word is fag so those were the two words like you know in other words like that but those were the big ones that you just cannot say ever so you could say like oh this fucking shit yada 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 she didn't really care this is when i was super young but there were two artists at the time that she was really against that were coming out and one was Marilyn Manson because she didn't approve that he chose an artist's name using Manson, glorifying Charles Manson, okay? And then the other one at the beginning was Eminem because he built so much of his initial fame off of those words that she was very against. So that was the thing when I would go out to LA, I would just have my dad buy me those albums because it was like, 
I'm still going to listen to those. They're like the biggest <laughs> artists out there. Like my dad and I stayed up till midnight to watch the premiere of the Beautiful People Marilyn Manson video on MTV. So I was like, you always have those things, you know, again, with like divorced parents. It's like, well, fine. Mom, you're not going to buy me the Eminem album. I'm going to get it when I go out to California with my dad. So she was finally, obviously, as time went on and I got older and she knew that I wasn't like really taking that music that seriously. It was all good. Do you think that that emphasis, that importance for her impacted you in your way of thinking? Yeah, totally. I never went through that phase. I never went through that phase saying those words when so many kids did. You know, and you, you, you don't think anything. You don't think that there's a weight to those words. And those words are the most hurtful words. Like, what's the issue with me saying, oh, man, look at those fucking sound panels over there. Like, what's the issue? That has no, in, to me at least, that barely has a weight. So I never understood what the majority of my suburban friends' parents would get so upset about. She said, like, oh, dude, that shit was crazy. Or whatever. You know, you say whatever. That It's like, dude, there's no weight to that. But now your kid's running around saying, like, dude, stop being so gay. You know, it's like, like, that was always for me. Like, you can't say that. A harmless That's adjective versus a harmful noun. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, and also, I'm Jewish. And I was growing up in suburban Minneapolis, Minnesota, there were barely any Jews out there, you know, like not in my town at least. So it's like, then that became a word. Like when I was like in middle school where kids would go, oh dude, that's so Jewish. And it like taught me from a, like, yeah, yeah. It's like, so that taught me at a young age. It's like, no, dude, you don't say that. You don't say any of those words. That's the big thing. We all start somewhere. Zach's performance journey began in the seventh grade, where he could be found on stage performing covers and original punk songs. Fast forward to high school, where Zach was inspired to start a band when he and his friends showed up to school wearing matching outfits. Their band released a few songs, including the one he brought with him to our show. And he himself hasn't heard the track in over a decade. Let's listen in. Bar Mitzvahs was like kind of the time in my life when I realized that like you could really start entertaining people. Oh, having, yeah. Having fun, karaokeing. I would do like Billy Idol. It was like, were you already were you already aware of that? Were you already like trying to like use your guitar and perform no. for people at that yeah, time? Yeah, well, yes, I was, but not for a bar mitzvah. I my bar mitzvah was lit. It was awesome. I tell like whenever I meet like my little brother wasn't bar mitzvah or anything. He's a bit younger, but. You know, I'll always tell, like, I'm like, dude, go get bar mitzvah. I bought a car with my bar mitzvah money. <laughs> like, what? It was a shitty car, but I bought a car with my bar mitzvah money. That's crazy. But it's a fun party, you know? No, I, I was like, because, you know, you, you do the bar mitzvah in, like, seventh grade. And I started, I think I did my first live show as, like, a front man, singer, songwriter, guitar player in seventh grade. Not for a bar mitzvah, it was for, like, a talent show. Covers? A cover song? No, I did. Okay, yeah. I did two originals and one cover, and it was a Lagwagon song. The punk band Lagwagon on like oh, Fat yeah. Records. Like, I was really into that stuff. And, yeah, it was like, it was a terrible cover. I think it was like the song that was on. I think it was from the Tony Hawk Pro Skater soundtrack, which was making a massive comeback, I think. No, I don't know. But, um... It's a good way to find music. Like, da -da 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 I don't know. It was like this Lagwagon song. Like super fast punk that we just... I think I saw a video maybe like a handful of years after that and it wasn't that good. The originals were better than our performance of the Lagwagon song because 
That's hard, man. Yeah, it is. You gotta have a good drummer for that stuff. And so around seventh grade <laughs> is when you started, like, making music? I was, like, writing. Yeah, I was, like, writing and gigging and, like, forming bands. That band was called No Lifeguard on Duty. I remember that. And who was your social scene? What was what was it like? Who were you hanging cool. out with? Uh, I will say, you know, I don't want to. I don't want it to sound like these people that in my hometown are all like closed minded, saying these hateful words and stuff because they weren't. They were just middle school boys. You know, it's like whatever. That's that's a phase, whatever. But our school was close, man. It was public school, but everyone was close. So it's like kind of just hung with a little bit of everyone. Did a little bit of everything. I did, like, theater and music. So there were other, like, musicians and other, like, I guess, artistic kids. I don't know. I did a lot of extreme sports, too. So I guess, like, a big snowboarding crowd. Snowboarding and BMX was, like, the posse. You know? Like, we had, like, a BMX track. Like, a we built a BMX track in the neighborhood. So, like, we would all, like, meet there and whatever. So you hang out with those kids a lot. I just think I always identified more with kind of, like extreme sports and band dudes that was always my vibe like that's what i essentially studied in my free time not theater i didn't care what the shows were like at the school it didn't matter to me like i just auditioned because i like to sing and i like to perform not 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 none of the rest I, there was never a show i got excited about <laughs> so your high school band you were finding more dudes who were like very similar minded i'm guessing yeah yes and what was that band called um, I had a couple in high school. First one, which was pretty short-lived, was called Escape Route. I was like, rap rock. It's pretty dope. And then moved into uh, the primaries was my main one. And I was in an emo band called Wasted on Envy. That was dope. And then I was telling you a little bit earlier, I did like an acoustic guy-girl duo called Zach and Shelby. I was the Zach. And those were the main ones. Those Be were the main ones. Before we got in here, you were talking about how you got the name the primaries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we all did choir together. I think it was actually two of the three of us. And we were like standing there. And uh, my buddy was wearing yellow. I was wearing red. The other dude was wearing blue. And my buddy goes, <laughs> dude, look at us. We look, we look like we're in a band. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, and we could be called the primaries. And I'm like, that's tight. And then we started a band like a week later or whatever. And the other dude... Didn't play anything, so he didn't get to be in the band. We got our other friend who was a good drummer, so we got him instead. So. And did you bring some of the primaries music? I brought the primaries music. So, so well, okay, well, I, I think I got the memo that you guys wanted to hear music from my childhood this morning, and I'm like, dude, I don't have any. Like, I don't even really travel with a computer, and I don't have any on my phone. So I texted the keyboard player from that band, from my high school band, is still like one of my best friends. So I just texted him real quick. I'm like, dude, do you have any of the old primary stuff on your computer? And he's like, oh, you bet your sweet ass I do. And I'm like, oh, my God. So he Cute sent up. me the whole album, dude. And I haven't listened to it in years. We do have we do have something queued up, Zach. It's, All right, you could play any song. I said just any song. It doesn't matter. We, we, chose, we chose not tonight. Okay. That's the hit. <laughs> A 
enough of played out songs my feet can't dance my hands can't clap little disclaimer this is before auto tune was a big thing the same old sake on dry the words are lost I'm in a cross between the past and where I'm at now writing's undone now my thoughts on your words are right you can have my heart now it's ready for you tonight It's all right, it's all right if you call my name Is it all right if I come back the same? Yeah! <laughs> not tonight, not tonight I will find my way If she's the right thing for you then that's okay Man. Well that's okay now Memory lane, memory lane Is it a good memory? Yeah, it's great! It's great! Are you kidding? You're still in touch with those guys yeah, I see him every time. Well, one of them, the keyboard player who sent me the stuff today, he lives in Chicago. So every time we tour through Chicago, that's a great city too. That's actually one of my favorite tour cities. But he lives in Chicago, so we always hang every time we go. And uh, the other one's still in Minneapolis. He's a rad dude. I'll probably see him in a couple weeks when I go through. Yeah, I see both of them. Awesome. There's a fourth dude too who played on that album. He, I hear, jo- he joined I- late. I do hear a little bit of, like, theatrics in there, too. So theatrical. <laughs> yeah, so theatrical. It's so funny. When we were doing, like, early American Authors albums, our one of our producers who we still, you know, he's, like, our mentor, super close dude. He also helps manage us. But um, our producer, Shep, he'd be like, Zach, don't sing with falsetto. Or, I'm sorry, not falsetto, with um, vibrato. He goes, Zach, no falsetto, no vibrato. I'm like, Why? He's like, you sound like you're in theater, dude. Don't do that. Sounds nerdy. Like, don't do that. No vibrato. So uh, if you listen to the first American Authors album, I think there's zero vibrato on it. <laughs> Just, I don't know. It is what it is. You talk about like Tons a, of vibrato now. You talk about a producer like a, a mentor. Was, any, was there anyone at that time when that band was happening that you could bounce ideas off of that was like... Yeah. Yeah, man. Tons, I mean... I think the band thing was always weird because it was just like some kids playing in the basement. We just kind of had to figure that one out on our own. Um, But it was mainly like, it was my theater directors. You know, there was like the main one that I did a lot of work with. His name's Kent Knutson. Just, um, you know, does a lot of work throughout the Twin Cities. Um, There was another one. Her name's Maggie Peisner. She was great. But it was like... My theater directors were really the mentors, the go-to mentors who would always be there for me, who would always help um, if I needed to talk to them, if I had questions, whatever it was. And they were uh, they were always really supportive, man. It was a good supportive, like, good supportive uh, community out there. I'll definitely give Minnesota that. It gets really cold. Dude, Minnesota is freezing, but it has some good, has some good cities, for sure, with some really good people. Um... Yeah, and tell us tell us a little bit more about the the record because there's like there's eleven songs and like you guys were yeah, that was, yeah okay so well we did like basement demos and I started it was we like all the practices were at my house in my basement and this was still like my family was so late to buying a computer that I would have to get like the little Tascam like four track multi track recorders which are so whack and so hard to use but that's what I grew up on. So then we would do like all these early demos. The, what you just heard, that was the nicest 
album we ever made because that was like, that was maybe like our junior year in high school. And this girl who was in our grade, her older brother was a student at McNally Smith Music School in Minneapolis. And he needed to record a band for like a class. You know, he was going for engineering. So that was like our big break where it was like, yes, we get to record a full album in one day at this music school. So we really tried like cramming as much in. And what was going on in your head? Were you like, this is, this is like a, this is like a document. We're just having fun. We want this to be the start of our career. We wanted it. I wanted it to be the start of a career. I was ready. Like, that's what I wanted to do. I knew that's what I wanted to do. Like maybe sophomore year in high school. I was ready. I was already dropping out of classes. I finished high school. Um, but there are minimum requirements for classes, like for, uh, for the generals, like science, math, um, language was another one. And I took the bare minimum of those that you could take to graduate. And I told my mom, I was, t- I was saying to Matt this last night, we were out and I was like, dude, you know, sometimes I look back on these decisions and it's like, yeah, it's cool. Cause my mom was supportive. But now as I get older and like, I think about these things, I'm like, Oh my God, that was risky. Because like I would go in to the guidance counselor and be like, yo, I'm dropping these classes after this year. I'm done with them because I just want to do music. I know that they go, well, you know, college, colleges do not like that. Like you're going to have a really tough time getting into a college. I'm like, I don't care. I'm going to music school. I didn't, I wasn't accepted to a music school, but in my mind, I was going to a music school. So I'm like, dude, I don't care. I'm not doing it. I'm done. And my mom was like, yeah, I support you. Go do it. So, so you, already, you already knew that Berkeley was, was the, no, the obvious next step. I don't, maybe not Berkeley. Um, but there were music schools that I was looking at. There was like one out in Washington. There was the one in Minneapolis, Berkeley, obviously. There were like a handful of them. There was like one in Liverpool that I was like looking at. But um, Yeah, and with, so with this last album, how did you guys, what was the process of re- like releasing the album? It never came out. It wasn't like really, I, we just like burnt CDs and like sold them to people at shows. We played a lot of shows. So we would like tour around the Midwest and we would do like Battle of the Bands. And then we would just sell like little burnt CDs where you get like, Dude, y'all don't even know these days what a band would have to go through because you'd have to sit around, burn CDs all day. Then you'd have to get the sticker tops. Then you'd have to print on the sticker tops that you would then have to press yourself onto the CD. And then you would have to like make a jewel case of some sort, like like with with a sleeve and all this stuff. And so we did it all ourselves. We never went through a company. (laughs) We would just sell them at shows, whatever, super cheap, but... I don't even think this album came out. I think this was, like, one of the last things we did, and then everyone got into, like, you know, we did this maybe, like, summer after junior year in high school. And then... Everyone... So you're just getting your license and you're already touring? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was what we... Yeah, we got our... Yeah, we... I was, like, the first one to get... And actually, the keyboard player was older. He got his license, and we would take, like, his mom's station wagon out and just, like, do these shows downtown or, like, in Wisconsin or whatever. And But... I wanted to do it, but everyone got into college mode senior year. And I was like, guys, I will stay back. We can do this. Because we were doing like, listening back right now, I was like, ooh, baby, we needed some work. But at the time, it was like, these were my best friends, and I was ready to go, and I was like ready to make the commitment. But the other dudes were like, nah, our parents will kill us. We have to go to college. So they went to college. which And then I was like, right, cool, I guess I'll try to go to college too. And I did. I applied to I like I think I applied to Berkeley and got in, so I was like, cool, I'll just go there. 
it's time to get schooled a bit. Zach offers some advice to young musicians about songwriting, collaboration, and the benefits of a strong work ethic. You'll want to stick around for this. Clearly, you have a work ethic in songwriting because you've written a ton of songs. And I do like songwriting. And maybe yes. that maybe that's changed from like, you know, you, you do some adulting, you have to like take care of your your business side of things. Is there any piece of advice you could give younger people as far as like worth that work ethic goes? And and I think we all imagine that, yeah. that high schoolers have like all the time in the world so they can just wake up if they if an inspiration no. hits them, they can work on a song, but like the Dude, second I got you more become, time now than I did in high school. I was busy in high school, man. I was doing two, <laughs> like two musicals at a time, that because I, I would do one outside of school, then one at school. I had the band that I was writing with, performing with. We did shows on the weekends. Uh, I was in the choir, like we met before school, after school. We did concerts, whatever. Too. You know, it's like all these like random extracurricular things. So it's like it's tough to find that inspiration. But I, the biggest thing is you, with writing specifically, is. Or with anything, it's just practice makes perfect. And with writing especially, you need to keep writing. Always write. It doesn't matter how you do it. If it's just you like to write poetry, just always write poetry. If you like to write melodies, you have a voice recorder in your pocket at all times now. So it's just constantly be recording those voice notes. That's like so important. There's so many times because my favorite thing now is just to come up with melodies. And I'm probably sure 90 Nine percent of them are not good, but I'll just record them anytime. If I have a title, write it down, but constantly be practicing. Always be practicing, always be writing in any way that you can. But also, I think what American authors have learned, and it's funny because when, you know, we listened to that song from when I was in high school, and we listened to like a little more of like those 11 songs or whatever. But you, you always need to be open to rewriting and always go back to it. I think it's such a mistake to just close a chapter of a song, you know, just to close, to be done. Do you think that Don't applies? Don't be done. There's, you're never done. Does it apply to a rapper who's like working on a, let's say, let's say they've got a beat from a friend that's like kind of working. You think it's, it's good to hold out and try to make a second version of the demo with a different beat or even just start creating their own rather than, than I, like hiring I think someone just, else to make a beat? No, I think it's awesome to collaborate. So I think, yeah, if you're going to collaborate with someone and they're going to help produce or make beats, it's like we authors do that all the time, you know? So it's like, I think that's awesome. Um, I think it's, it's about being open to working with other people and being open to perfecting what you have. You know, you can write some stuff. Sometimes you'll get it and you'll be like, dude, this is awesome. We finished it in a day. Sick. You know, sometimes you'll feel that. But I think even the stuff that we finish in a day, we write like each, we're just a bit quicker with it now. I think when we were first starting off, it was like it would take weeks to let your emotions go and to forget something and then to be like, okay, I came back to this. We got to rewrite this, 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 this. Now we're just much faster. We're in the room and go, okay, how about here's a verse pre-chorus. 25 minutes later, now nah, that verse ain't working. Redo it. Okay, 30 minutes later you know what, that course isn't good enough, rewrite. An hour later, that post-course just isn't strong enough, redo. We did a song the other day, we were in Nashville writing, we spent, we spent the night before and the first four hours of the day working this song idea out, and four hours into it, I go, this beat, the whole track, all the music, the music, the beat, and Dave was doing the track this day, our bass player, and I go, this isn't working. 
throw it all away. Scrap the music. The melodies are great. The melodies, lyrics are really cool, but we got to just start from start from scratch with the music and just come up with a whole new vibe for this. You've learned you've obviously learned a lot by being with these same people and mm-hmm. growing growing with them. I'm wondering if like you yeah. could I'm wondering if you could leave us with like a like almost like a letter to your 15-year-old self. What 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 little tidbits of advice would you give your 14, 15-year-old self? Man, the biggest thing is just keep going. Keep going. This was my dream at 14, 15 years old, and it didn't really come true till I was 26. And I was doing it, and there was never a down part. I never took two years to go travel Europe or whatever. I was just doing this. You know, I went straight from college to Boston, dropped out of school to tour, to move to New York City, to live in a shitty apartment with these dudes in the band to try to make it. It's like we just kept going. Um, so don't stop. Just keep going. Keep pushing. If you love it, if it's, if it's your passion, you should be having fun with it. So have fun. Keep going. And I think just be open. I cannot stress that enough. It's like, just don't judge something. So don't be so quick to judge and be open to people. Be open to working with people because everything, every, I, th- I think the majority of stuff that I've learned that's gotten me over that hump of like, I'm a 14 year old doing this to like, I can comfortably and confidently say that I'm a professional doing this now was because of the guys in my band. Like just from everything that we did from DIY touring writing songs to rewriting songs to figuring out the range of my voice like dude i listened to those nine or 10 11 songs whatever from high school and like so much of that stuff it's like dude why did i do that why is my whole song just this linear singing in this low register of my voice because my voice doesn't sound good singing in a low register like why did i do that and i think one of the first people that got me singing like belting high was our guitar player, James. When we first started writing together, he's like, dude, you should sing low in the verse, but then go up the octave in the chorus. And like, okay, why didn't I figure that out before? That seems like a duh thing. But for some reason, I wasn't doing it. I wasn't writing that way. And it was like, oh my God, that really clicked. Wow. And it's not because I'm looking at a song in the sense of like a, well, your verse is down here and your chorus is up here and that's what makes a hit song. It's not about that. It's about, dude, my voice sounds better here. Holy shit. I've been singing for like 10 years now and now I've just discovered singing like this. So I think working with people, being open to that. Yeah. I don't know. I could keep going forever. No, I think that's great, man. (laughs) I think it's great. I think it's it's so cool that you have this this small group of family now i'm sure yeah it prepares you to you know if you have the family around you it prepares it prepares you to go out there and 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 be a bit and be independent as well because this band now it's like the four of us are all in such awesome places where we can all go out and do stuff on our own obviously we we're great together but it's like all of us can write on our own we can go write with other artists which we do we can go like dave's one of like the best producers like track dudes i've that i know right now it's like yeah it's a big thing that's cool man congratulations on everything thank you mona you have any 
closing thoughts? Um, just super honored to be here with you. Thank you. Honored to be here with you guys. You guys are doing amazing work out here in Denver. So thank you for giving back to the community. A big shout out to Oso Motley for our theme music this season. They came to the studio in Denver, jammed with some of the Youth on Record students, and we couldn't be happier. Thanks so much. Right on. Sweet. Groovy. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for playing the tune, man. Oh, yeah, no problem. I haven't heard that shit in a long time. That's, so. <laughs> that's kind of how we... That's that was how fun. We, fun we, for me, and now I have it in my email, so I got to download that when I get home. My Youth on Record is proudly brought to you by Youth on Record, a Colorado nonprofit organization where local teens are empowered to find their voice and value by working with local musicians as their educators. Teens and Youth on Records programs are working to be both the next generation of creatives as well as community leaders. They do this through music, poetry, and storytelling. My Youth on Record is one of their newest programs. Learn more at www.youthonrecord.org.